Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we can't believe it either. We've got more rumors of the next Switch revision to discuss. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including, yes, more rumors of the next model of Switch. And then on Thursday, we're going to be doing a deep dive into the Famicom Detective Club games. Spoilers and all, but Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Patrick, I have started drinking beet juice um for its okay. like purported health benefits um, okay and uh i don't like beets i previous beets to this tough. like think yeah. they're kind of like super gross um but i loaded up on beet juice and i'm committed to doing it even though uh i started on saturday maybe so i'm only a few days in oh boy but mark and, I, don't, I don't know if you could say you're committed to it but you've done it for two days i know i know twice. i know that's every, not even a pattern yeah every every morning so mm -hmm. far and again it's only been a couple days when i <laughs> open up that lid pour the beet juice into the glass it's um like it's a lot and i uh i wish i was the person who liked beets who genuinely enjoyed the taste of beets, but I'm not that person. And drinking it does not necessarily improve on the experience. So do you just have like a jug of beet juice in your refrigerator? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have, I have uh, multiple jugs because like I said, I'm committed. And so, you know, like I was the person at the grocery store <laughs> so loading up like my cart bucks. with, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> loading up my cart with beet mm -hmm. juice. Um, I did notice that the beet juice also has like a little bit of lemon juice in it. And I don't know if that's like for preservation reasons or if it's to try to improve the taste. Uh, but whatever the reason, it is not successful in making it more fun to drink. However, if there is mm. somebody out there Twist. who like loves beet salads, loves beet juice, um, I would love to hear a description of what it tastes like to you. Because to me, it tastes very much like dirt. Yeah, so I I do have some experience with beets, both in salad and juice form, uh, and so I and I, I do approach them sort of in separate ways. Uh, if it's like a beet salad, I go for like a sort of savory, like feta, arugula, like balsamic sort of preparation, like a, a slice of tomato. Um, like that's that's all very uh good and like that for me beet salad that that works out really well beet in a juice i will use like a beet in a smoothie if i'm making a smoothie um but only if i'm already committed to it being a dirt flavored smoothie right this right. is a smoothie that's gonna have uh a lot of kale in it a smoothie that's gonna have uh also spinach right if i've already got those things i'm like look it's an earthy smoothie that's fine i'm gonna have some like almond butter in here like these are just the flavors that we're going to be embracing um but I think if you're just trying to, like, drink it straight, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's tough. I know. But in theory, and yeah. make sure my math checks out here, though. 
if in theory I found a good mixer for beet juice, that wouldn't like I by mixing the two together, as long as I was drinking like let's say eight ounces of beet juice and mixing it with eight ounces of something else, like I would right. still be getting the health benefits of the beet juice, presuming of course that the mixer I found was not like terrible for me. Right. Presuming it's not like Everclear or <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if what you're trying to do is, like, uh, use something, like, sweet to cut against the whatever flavor of... You you're may saying have to use it in my lucky charms. overboard. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mark, speaking of things you can use on your lucky charms, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly try. Um, that was close. We almost did a whole, a whole episode talking about beats. We could have done it. <laughs> I believe in us. Um, all you got to do to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. And give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of this game for the Nintendo Switch. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. It costs me a little bit. Not like a lot. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Uh, maybe a big deal. You could end up with my copy of Untitled Goose Game. Um, you know, that's just uh, it's just the way it rolls. The goose is sneaking around in there. Uh, it's in one of the copies of Sonic Forces that goes out. Uh, and that's just something we all got to roll with. Another thing you can do for the show is you can leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, which is the store that I check. Um, thank you to Landis83 for their five-star review this past week. We really appreciate it. We appreciate um, you signal boosting our show any way you can. And a five-star review also, like, makes Patrick and I feel a little bit better about ourselves. And so if that is something you care about, a five-star review is a way to make that happen. Yeah, but it, 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 it does work. It's effective, but it doesn't last for very long, which is why yeah, it's we need true. more. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Um, and then one last thing, I guess, before we get into uh, what we've been playing is, of course, we will be uh, this Thursday, we are discussing the Famicom Detective Club games both uh, The Forgotten Heir and The Girl Who Stands Behind. And we need your help to discuss them. If you have any questions or if you are playing either of these games uh, and you have impressions that you would like to share uh, with us, please email us at nintendocartridgesociety at gmail.com. gmail.com. As soon as you can, we're going to be recording that on Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock Pacific time. Um, So get those emails into us sooner rather than later so we can all have a big discussion about Famicom Detective Club. Um, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. I'm going to be a, a broken drum. Is that uh, something you say? Uh, what am I, what am I no, saying? Because a dead you, you, horse? I think I'm going to beat a you, dead you'd horse. Be, you'd be a broken record because if you were beating yeah, right. a broken drum, you wouldn't be making any sound at all, which means you wouldn't be talking about Hades. Um, yeah, I'm talking about Hades, but also I was thinking about uh, the saying that a broken clock is uh, right twice a day, um, and if that's true, if we want to believe that to be true, then that means that all other clocks are either correct all the time or wrong all the time. <laughs> but that, but, but that is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that 90, 99% of clocks are oh, wrong see, all the time. You're just adding shading uh, to the clock universe. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I want to see all the corners of it. Um, Hades. Uh, I, I uh, obviously will have, uh, have not stopped playing this game. I, I, I love it to pieces, but I am slowly running out of achievable goals in the game. 
Um, I've done uh, like uh, 190 runs in the game. I have over 150 hours in it. Wow. Um, I have uh, fulfilled uh, nearly all of the Faded Prophecies. I've purchased all the songs, most of the upgrades um, for the, the um, for uh, Zagreus's bedroom and the common area and all this stuff. Uh, and I'm just, uh, you know, I've made some like real progress on it this, uh, over, over the weekend. And I'm just getting nervous that I'm running out of the things that I can actually do in the game. There are um, heat levels that I can chase, um, which every time uh, you can add heat to a, a specific run by like adding difficulty things, um, like very specific difficulty modifiers um, that have a, a super high ceiling, right? Um, and you get rewards, like various rewards up to the 32nd level of heat for each weapon. And I am at most... I think I'm at 12 heat with um, the, the fists. So I could keep playing, but like at that point, it's just grinding um, that there aren't uh, like aesthetic changes or like gameplay changes that are happening along the way. I've sort of like hit, I've sort of hit it. Like I, I feel like I've celebrated so many different like milestones. Like, ah, I beat Hades for the first time. Ah, I beat Hades for the 10th time. And now I understand what like the rest of the story is. Ah, I've completed that story. Ah, I've completed all the relationships. Uh, and now I'm like almost to completing all the prophecies. And I'm like, I'm getting nervous, Mark. I might be, I might be done. I might be getting close to done with Hades. That's crazy. Do you think that it's possible that Supergiant Games will release DLC for Hades? Because I know that like Bastion, uh, Transistor, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting another one of the games that they did in between there. Um, yeah, the one that's like a uh, baseball or, uh, it's like a wizard soccer. Pyre? Uh, it's Pyre is correct. <laughs> okay. I can't remember if they, I, I can't remember if they did like DLC for any of those, but I, I, I feel like um, maybe it's just because I know you and you've been enjoying it so much, but I feel like Hades has taken off maybe in a way that none of their games have since Bastion. Um, and I, I'm curious if you think that they will do DLC or if they're like done with Hades, because it seems like it's been such a huge success for them. It it does seem like it's been a huge success, but the game was also in early access for like a year, right? Right. When it came out on Switch, that was, you know, Hades 1.0, um, which, you know, that was sort of the culmination of uh, a year of updating and fiddling with it and like getting it right. Um, and it's, it's tough because like absolutely 100% if they put more Hades out, I'm just going to play it. Like, you know, you know, I'm a fan for life now, um, but uh, the, the game is also so perfectly balanced right now that you know if they were like oh yeah there's a there's a new uh, a new like level of the underworld that you can travel through or like a new god or a new set of gods to grant you boons um or you, like a different system or another weapon like anything else feels like it's so ba it's balanced mm -hmm. so well right now that like i don't want to put a grain of sand on either side um to at, at risk of throwing off the balance um, I also, Mark, uh, played some Magical Drop 2 on the Super NES Switch Online um, because I'm a sucker for those uh, puzzle games that were never released uh, in, in the U.S. Uh, that they add to the Super NES Switch Online. Uh, last week, we said that we weren't sure if this was, in fact, the English version, just that the English version had never been released. Um, and yes, it is, in fact, all in English. Oh, okay. Well, how did you like it? Uh, I liked it okay. Uh, I would say it's my least favorite of the uh, uh, Super Famicom puzzle games that they've added. Um, 
it it has a mechanic where you know there are just like rows and rows of um different colored orbs that are sort of like uh, coming down the screen at you and you have the ability to pull them down pull down uh, uh, uh orbs of the same color um and then shoot them back and whenever there are three in a row um then they like start to knock each other out and you cause like chain reactions that way um and there are so many specific little like modifiers uh where there will be like an orb that is red but also has like an arrow pointing to the right um or you know has like a little sword in the middle of it or like a skull and crossbones and maybe there's a place in the game that explains what each of these things does but i do not understand them yet and you know when i play and i accidentally trigger one of them stuff happens and it's amazing <laughs> but i don't i don't know what i'm doing um so i i don't know i i feel like it's it's one that i'm going to uh probably not going to revisit very much um but it's neat. It's cool to have it there. Uh, I had to go through, of course, and organize my Super NES and NES uh, Switch Online libraries again because they just keep through, throwing new games on there and they just put them right up at the top because, of course, you want to see the new stuff. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting little game, but I don't think I'm going to be playing it too much. Well, I uh, finally played some Knockout City. Uh, I participated during it, the block party, which was the free period. Um, for the first 10 days of the game's release, Knockout City is the new, like, team-based um, dodgeball multiplayer online game, which I had fun with. I played for maybe an hour and got, I don't, I actually am not sure, maybe, like, 10 rounds in or something like that. Um, one thing that threw me when I first started the game is that having not seen a lot of footage outside of the reveal trailer a few months back in that uh, Nintendo Direct, I thought that you actually played as like an orc, as, you know, like a ninja, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And you do not. Yeah, yeah. The game has a very like um, sci-fi rockabilly thing going on, which is yeah. a really... Yeah, it's is. It's like if cyber it's like if it was cyberpunk but like in the 50s. Yeah, and it's really the the character designs are really difficult to look at. Um it's the one like part of the design of the game where I'm like, "Oh, they're yeah. kind of like Bratz doll versions of like the band members of Squirrel Nut Zippers or something like that." Like it's a very strange art direction choice. But other than that, like I had fun with it. And one thing that's kind of cool is even though the um, uh, free to play or I guess like the block party that like completely free trial has ended, the game is still free to play for the first 25 levels. Like, so you can level up your character to level 25 without having to pay the 20 or $30 it is for the full game. And I played enough rounds that's to smart. know that like, it totally is because I think it's something that you have to experience for yourself because I played enough rounds to know that when you're with a good team, who's like passing the ball and uh, is a coordinated, like it feels really, really good and is really fun. Um, and so like, I, I, I still kind of want to play this with people. Cause I think if you got like people coordinated and working together, the 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 idea is really fun. Like the gameplay itself, I found to be really enjoyable. And I'm curious. It doesn't seem like there are a ton of like level ups for your character, like different abilities. It seems like 
it's a lot of a lot of it is just aesthetic so it kind of reminded me of yeah. splatoon in that way um but yeah knockout city i think it's worth checking out for sure um i i also think that knockout city shares something with splatoon in that it is like sort of that first person shooter mentality without being like a violent game you know yes um that's something that I find really attractive about it, like running around in a squad-based environment where you're coordinating with other people and like sneaking around and like trying to take people out, but you're just throwing a dodgeball at them, right? Um, and the game is just so like fun and bright and intuitive that like yeah, it all kind of works in harmony together, just like feel accessible and feel like a a fun game I want to play. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it has crossplay. I feel like we talked about that before. Yeah, sure does. Um, yeah. And uh, there's also, like, two modes on Switch that I thought was interesting. There's, like, performance mode, and I can't remember what they call the other one. But basically, it's a choice between 60 frames per second, but you have to have, like, a high-speed internet connection, or mm. 30 frames per second. Um, I was playing on 60 frames per second. I am not somebody who, like, uh, notices performance that much, unless it's, like, really terrible. But uh, I, I play with, like, an Ethernet adapter, and it all seemed to be fine. Um, the other thing, of course, is I've been playing Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind. I haven't finished it yet. I'm on Chapter 8, so I'm fairly close to the end. Have you finished it, Patrick? I have not finished it yet. I think we're, we may be in just about the same place. Um, but yeah, we, we will obviously share our thoughts uh, about this um, on Thursday. Um, but there, there was a cool little like twist or like action piece in the middle of this one that uh, I, I was really pleased with um where like i don't know i I feel like these games like start to sense when like you get bored of them or like when it knows it's like being kind of stale and then it's like nah crank it up (laughs) and like get get kind of crazy and that's that's a fun twist in all these games yeah if anybody needs a little like uh uh teaser to get them interested for thursday i will say that there is a metroid other m connection that i want to bring up um discussing this game yeah I love it. Um, but we, we don't have time to discuss any of that right now because we are doing it on Thursday. Um, Mark, those are, the new, those are the games that we have been playing. I'm a, a, I'm a, a segment ahead of us, I guess. Uh, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. I'd say for me, the big notable release this week is on Friday, June 4th. Uh, DC Superhero Girls Teen Power is released for the Switch. Um, published by Nintendo, kind of a, it was announced at that uh, last Nintendo Direct that we had, kind of, I would say for sure, a surprise announcement. Um, But I like seeing, you know, any video game company, but I think it makes a lot of sense for Nintendo. Nintendo is very deliberate about curating a broad base. And so I think it, it makes, it follows for me, it makes sense for me that Nintendo would choose to publish this game. Yeah, totally. And I mean, one of the things that I find uh, appealing about this game and i'm probably not going to pick it up but um the one of the things that like has me tempted is that like yeah there are like mainstays of like the uh you know the the women of the dc universe right of you know we've got wonder woman and we've got uh, harley quinn and uh characters like that but i'm also seeing like carol ferris as the star sapphire and i'm seeing jessica cruz as green lantern uh, and i'm like oh they're like there are some deep cuts in here that i'm uh like deeply emotionally connected to that I, I just want to spend time with in video games or, you know, I, I will read comics that they're in. They never show up in movies. Um, so like, yeah, I, I'm there, there, there is a, a part of this that is very appealing to me just on roster alone. 
Um, and, you know, then also, what am I going to say? No to Catwoman? Come on, it's Catwoman. <laughs> and then uh, maybe not as notable, but on June 5th, on Saturday, a game called Mighty Goose is, comes out on the Switch eShop, just pointing out that the Goose game renaissance continues. Yeah, yeah with that we are in the Goosesance. <laughs> Renegoose? I don't know. I don't like either of them. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, those are the new releases. Let's close this out. Which brings us to another segment, a regular segment, a recurring segment. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers did not play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, today we are taking a suggestion from Benton and Brian, who wrote in for our 433 episode uh, and wanted us to talk about cities that we've never been to, but we'd like to visit. Um, and, and why is how that sentence ends. Um, Mark, is there a city that you have not been to that you would like to go to? Man, there are so many. Uh, but I, if I had to pick one, I think for sure, like Tokyo. I've never been to Japan. I oh, really man. like to go to Japan. Um, and then another one, I don't know what, if it, it's probably not a city. Can we just say like scientific base? I'd really like to go to uh, Antarctica. I think that'd be so cool. You're not worried about like an it situation breaking out? Not it, the thing. <laughs> I mean, either one could, you know, worry yeah, me either wherever I yeah. go. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm not too concerned with a. Uh, it's it. No, the thing situation. The thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark, happening this weekend. This weekend, I watched uh, Alien versus Predator, which also takes place at a scientific like research station at the North Pole, or it's a it's a former uh, like whaling town that is uh, that's at the North Pole. Oh, okay. Well, I have no interest in going to the North Pole. I want to go to Antarctica. Antarctica. Okay, all right. <laughs> but some sort of science station. What do you think you get to do at those science stations? I don't know. I mean, I'm, uh, I think it's a lot of like nature talks. Like if you're going with like a tourist group, yeah. right? Like it's a group of 10 of you. And then you probably have to like pitch in and like carrying milk jugs around yeah, places, you know, right. where they need milk. Yeah on in antarctica i just think it'd be really cool the, um uh yeah man how about you patrick where what cities have you never been to that you'd like to visit well so so much of europe i have not been to um i i, I will echo your tokyo i would love to uh, go to japan at, in any form um but there is one city in hungary that has the statue of colombo mark are you aware that Budapest has a statue of Columbo and his dog, Dog, um, just like just like in the middle of the city. It's just there's a statue of Columbo there. We could go. We could pay our respects to the Columbo statue um, and then walk around. There's something so just charming about most European cities that it's like small streets, buildings close together, um, you know, things constructed when we didn't have these enormous cars to drive through. Um, that, uh, man, I would just love to spend some time walking around them. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I feel like of the U.S. cities that I've been to, I feel like Boston is the closest. There are, like, parts of Boston that are the closest to recapturing mm -hmm. um, that 
sense of like intimate, like walkable space that a lot of European cities have. I've never been to Germany. That's like, uh, I would love to go someplace in Germany. Germany's cool. I've, I've been to Germany and Austria, um, but was maybe too young and too checked out to really be paying attention. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we went to, to Innsbruck, which is like the most quaint mountain town you're ever going to, and it's just adorable. But I was 18 and jaded and was like, Meh. I, I 100% know what you mean. Uh, I went to Italy when I was like 14. And for like a third of it, all I wanted was McDonald's. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, my parents took us to Washington, D.C. when I was like 16. And all I wanted to do was play magic with, with, my, uh, with my friends. <laughs> um, yeah, are, are there, I'm trying to think of if there are other like U.S. cities that I really have like uh, that I haven't been to. I haven't, you, you mentioned Boston and I've been through Boston, but I've never actually spent any time there. Um, I'd like to go to Atlanta. I, I, I've never, I've, that's another yeah. one where like I've hit the airport, but like never been outside. Yeah, I've never been to Portland. Um, I've been to Seattle. I like Seattle. So this is not this is not answering the question. I would go back to Seattle <laughs> to experience that city. Uh, Vancouver. I'd love to go to Vancouver. I know mm. not technically American, but you know, still. I um, I would. I'd love to go to Auckland. I'd love to go to New Zealand. Mm, yes. Oh man. Or Australia. Uh, look, there's a big world out there, and mm-hmm. I haven't seen most of it. Um. I know, yeah. and, and like, I, you know, as, like, in the U.S., uh, with vaccinations and everything, like, COVID restrictions are coming to an end. It's hard to forget that there are other parts of the world that, like, yeah, have not, not so been so lucky. And so it's, like, I do wonder when these travel restrictions are going to end, because I would love to get back out there, but also conscious of the fact that, like, there's still an enormous pandemic going on. Yeah, it still is a very much life-threatening <laughs> situation. For a lot of the world, um, there's also oh man. I, I mean, I just uh, I feel like I could. I'd like to see Mexico City. Like, I think that would that would be awesome. Me- Mexico City's beautiful. I've never been to anywhere in South America. I'd love to go to Brazil, Argentina. Yeah, pretty much anywhere. I would go pretty much anywhere. Uh, we were accompanied today. Hold on, I just closed out the window. Bye. Uh, the musical, the, an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix, a city that I have been to, um, but a museum that I have not. Mark, we should go to this museum someday. That's that's attainable. That's something we could plan and execute right now. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into the news. I would love to, Patrick, I'd love to visit that museum and tell them the reason why we know about it and why we're like so interested in coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should see if we could put on our own performance of 433 while we're there. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. Um, well, like a real okay. one, not one where we still talk. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, okay, let's do this probably, mercifully, maybe one more time. It is, I both want to talk about this and I do not want to talk about this. I'm, of course, referring to uh, rumors uh, reports about the next version of Switch hardware that it maybe appears to be looming. And I'm somewhat hesitant to talk about it, recording it today, because yeah. I think there is a possibility that very soon, uh, like, we will know more about it officially. And so all of our speculation that we're doing right now will be mute, moot, not mute, 
Um, but <laughs> but we could mute it if we wanted to. It's I I think it is it's good though, and we should talk about it. Um, Mark famously, at least famously between you and I, our very first episode of this show that we released, we titled "No More NX Rumors." Because you and I were sick of talking amongst ourselves about uh, Nintendo's unreleased, unrevealed uh, uh, next generation of hardware, which was at that point just known as the NX. Um, so look, we are the, being fed up with rumors of Nintendo's next hardware is our bread and butter, baby. It's where we live. It's where we're comfortable. So let's just strap in. Let's talk about it. And let's make ourselves irrelevant like two weeks from now. Okay. Uh, if if hey if it's if this episode can be timely for two weeks, I would say that, that is a great achievement. Um, yeah, not likely. Okay. So the reason why this is in the news is actually as we were recording our E three prediction episode with uh, special guest Connor McCabe from last week, we were talking about how we didn't think this switch revision was going to make any appearance at E three, and as we were talking about that, Bloomberg released an article uh, written by Takahashi Mochizuki and Debbie Wu, citing anonymous sources with the following details. One, that uh, the Switch revision, whatever it is, will start production in July for a release in like the September-October timeframe. Two, that the announcement of this Switch revision could be made ahead of E3 in, to allow partners to talk about the software that they've been preparing for that. So let's, pa- let's pause there for a second because I think it's amazing how this piece came out on Wednesday evening, uh, like Wednesday, maybe nine o'clock um, Pacific time. Uh, so like midnight <laughs> on the East Coast, uh, which then put everyone on high alert for Thursday and Friday to be like, is Nintendo going to drop some big news? Nintendo? Super quiet, super chill, not revealing that they've got anything, uh, any like hot news that they're sitting on. But that's where we are right now. (laughs) Right. That's where we are right now. And so, you know, there, of course, as with all of this stuff, like with Nintendo Directs, there is hot speculation that potentially tomorrow, Tuesday, or I guess today, Tuesday, if you're listening to this um, on Tuesday, that Nintendo will like release this information then. That is a soup because you know it's after the holiday. We are getting really close to E3. E3 is a week from Saturday, um, and we still don't know what Nintendo's E3 plans are as of this moment when we're recording on Monday night. So, yeah, I, I, I just really don't know what to make of any of this at this point. There is so much smoke that it seems crazy to me that we're not going to hear something. Um, but on the other hand, I a little bit am, like, tired of talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, especially because, like, you know, with, with every step of it, like, some parts become clearer, but some parts are just as mysterious as they have always been. Um, or just as, like, speculative, right? Like, there are so many pieces of this puzzle that are, like, a sort of documented, but, like, there's just so much speculation around it that, like, it's hard to keep track of what uh what someone has assured us is true and what people are just hoping is true yeah completely i mean because like to run down what i think we know or think we know or has been rumored or speculated like i can't even remember at this point things we think we think we know <laughs> yeah like i can't remember what comes from a more reputable source like bloomberg at this point versus 
just like somebody online. Um, but this is what I think we know, or we think we think we know. Um, same basic size as the current Switch and support for like current Joy-Con, but it would have a bigger screen with reduced bezels. And so it's not that like the Switch itself would be bigger or that the bezels would be gone entirely, just that it would be like um, in a larger screen in that same footprint. Supposedly, it's going to be an OLED screen. Uh, the latest reports from somewhere say that it's going to have like a surface style flap for tabletop mode instead of just like the dinky little plastic um, kickstand mm, that kickstand, exists currently. Yeah. Um, easier access to the SD card slot. Some reports say that the dock will be very similar, but just a little wider and have built-in Ethernet support. Like, So it'll have a built-in Ethernet port. And then the other big upgrade, I would say, is it has 4K support when docked. <sighs> yeah. So that's that's a lot. And then I guess the one other like piece of information that um, uh, came out of the uh, Bloomberg reporting was that it is likely that this version of the Switch will replace the um, like the, the current vanilla Switch, um, but will sell for more, will be a more expensive machine than the $299. So it would be on the shelves at the same time as the Switch Lite at um, $199.99, um, and then the second model that would be uh, more expensive than the 300 that the Switch currently is. And the, the, the price part is a little bit speculation because uh, you know Bloomberg in their article point out that their sources are supply chain sources. So these are not people from within Nintendo that have any idea on the name or the marketing or mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff. They're purely like um, the like component suppliers. And so uh, the speculation on price, again, is just that. It's just speculation. Like nobody knows. Remember the speculation before the Switch was revealed that it would be like $199? Um, and yeah. that turned out to be false. I, I, I'm trying to remember, and I think it was the case that the, uh, new Nintendo 3DS was more expensive than the base Nintendo 3DS. Yeah, Is that I, right? I believe that's correct. Yeah. It just, but the thing that seems interesting to me and like, where I don't know how to, um, wrap my head around it is like, it's not that it's not like the switch is cheap currently. So Right, you know, three three hundred dollars. They're selling them as fast as they can make them, so the demand is definitely there. So maybe if they raise the price, they they would be able to get away with it because, like, I would definitely want one. Um, and you know, so like, I think a lot of people would upgrade plus anybody who bought new ones. So maybe I answered my own question. Maybe they could totally get away with charging like three fifty for this. Yeah, and I think especially if the um 199 switch light remains on the market too that like there is a lower price point option um to get in cheaper um then then i think they probably can go higher there is, is that what you're thinking you're thinking 349.99 i don't know i genuinely at this point have no idea what to expect i have no idea what they're going to name it i have no idea what the price is going to be i have no idea how they're going to sell it like you know like how they're going to market it um yeah. you can kind of if you want to use past behavior as an indicator of what they might do this time you know i do think it just makes sense to call it like the new nintendo switch um versus something like the i've seen a lot of speculation that it might be like the uh super nintendo switch or something like that but to me that too much denotes like a new console and doesn't really yeah. make like any sense for what is happening right now um 
But yeah, I really don't have any idea. I I'm very ready for if this is real for Nintendo to like pull the ripcord and just kind of let us know what's going on. I think it'll be bad news for Bloomberg when that happens because I think these articles generate a ton of clicks for them. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Will it be bad news for us because then we can't <laughs> talk about it on uh, news episodes every week? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. I think it'll be okay. Um, there was a uh, a posting from a product listing from Amazon Mexico that uh, was for the new Nintendo Switch Pro. That's how they have the item listed in uh you know in in the product catalog there um but i don't think that means anything that sounds like a real placeholder name to me um what what do you think about that mark yeah i i would be confused for it to be the new nintendo switch pro when there's no pro version right now it feels like you pick one of those qualifiers not like both of them yeah i i i think there's no way that it's coming i i also don't really even think that uh this is evidence that the machine exists in, you know, whatever its name is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that we're seeing so much evidence from other places that uh, the Amazon Mexico store was like, oh, yeah, we should get a placeholder ready just so we have that. We can pop in the assets when it's time. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I could also see, like, it be totally possible that they know that something is coming. Um, and then somebody just entered a placeholder name and the page went live. And so once uh, they figured that out, they took it down. I Yeah, I, I really don't know what to think of any of this. I guess the question is, Patrick, would you try to get one of these uh, yes, if it was what? released? Yes. I know. I huh? know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, I, I guess it's, it's, not a, it's not a bad question, though, right? Because like we both you and I sat out the um, Switch Lite um, revisions. Um, because we were happy with uh, the experience we were having on our Switches at, at, at present. And I think both you and I uh, like to play on the TV um, a, a lot. Maybe maybe not more than uh, most people play, but like we, I've played on TV a lot. So for me, the Switch Lite like, doesn't have the functionality that I need. But if this does, and it's just, you know, my Switch is a, it's a, it's a day one Switch, the launch Switch. Um, picked it up at Best Buy at midnight with you. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to replace it with, uh, something newer and stronger and better. And I'll be excited to, uh, you know, get in the muck and, you know, try to pre-order these things and do whatever we got to do to just like get them. Yeah. The, the one thing that makes me kind of like, uh, hesitant to believe that they are going to get rid of the regular switch initially is just like Nintendo has set a really aggressive um uh projection for how many switch how much switch right. hardware they're going to sell. And so unless they can create this new hardware at a similar level to what they are like pumping out the the existing hardware, that seems like a difficult transition to make where it's like a yeah. product that's already fairly scarce and now, you know, like introducing new hardware to replace it that is also going to be scarce but uh, you know also that is just kind of the reality of gaming hardware right now right like if you want a new xbox if you want a new playstation they're just hard to get and so uh maybe that'll continue to be the case for switch as well well i mean what's funny is i think this is going to create an immediate um and like a immediately plentiful secondhand market for original model switches right like People, this is going to be an upgrade system. This is going to be something that enthusiasts flock to. 
And that means that enthusiasts will have their old model of Switch that they can, you know, uh, sell through eBay or trade back into GameStop or whatever. Like, I think, I think this does some good uh, just for their supply numbers if they can, you know, if they can satiate the, the market's desire for new Nintendo Switches. Yeah, that's that's such a good point, man. That will be kind of crazy when. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, strange times ahead. I do hope that we hear something sooner rather than later. Dragon Quest held a special celebration for the series' 35th anniversary last week, featuring creator Yuji Horii teasing, teasing new games in the franchise. Um, they released like a bunch of information about different Dragon Quest games. Uh. Kind of a disappointing tease for about Dragon Quest X and a new venture called Dragon Quest X Offline Edition that are, of course, going to be Japanese only. Um, for me, like a little disappointed that Dragon Quest X Offline there yeah. is going to be Japanese only. Um, but I guess again makes sense. There is so much content in Dragon Quest X that I think like localizing all of it at this point for the sales the Dragon Quest games generate in outside of japan is probably not worth the effort yeah probably doesn't make a lot of sense but like man when they were playing the like hype trailer for dragon quest 10 um and like showing all the different like updates and versions that they've done for it um like it seems really cool <laughs> i think it would be really really fun to get in a, a massively multiplayer dragon quest world like I, I i think i could really get into that uh, they also showed off a game called Dragon Quest, Tre Dragon Quest Treasures, uh, which they said would be like a new take on RPGs, as well as a bunch of other Dragon Quest titles, like a mobile puzzle game. But I think probably the two big announcements um, that uh, like are probably the most exciting for me is Dragon Quest Three is getting a remake in the Octopath Traveler style. Uh, it's Dr Dragon Quest Three HD 2D remake. Um, and it looks exactly like uh, Octopath Traveler, yep. but just like uh, with the spirit of Dragon Quest infused into it, which now that I see this, it's like, ah, of course, this is a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a no-brainer and, of course, just like lights my imagination on fire for all of the NES and Super NES uh, games that Square Enix should be re-releasing in this style. I, I think uh, the, the early Dragon Quest games are like, a perfect example um it's it's a little bit of like a lateral move to the uh super any or the the final fantasy games um because i think they were already like trying to do things with a uh, perspective like final fantasy 6 especially they use so much mode 7 and just like the overworld stuff that like some of that is like the flavor of the game even when it looks kind of crappy in any event um who cares do remake remake everything in this <laughs> in this style you want you want to sell uh, three $60 games to me, Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy V, Final Fantasy VI, HD remaster, uh, 2D HD. I'm there. I'm there day one. Yeah. Oh, completely. Like, Final Fantasy VI is immediately where my mind went. Um, this one, Dragon Quest Three HD 2D, has no release date yet or even release window, but they did promise that it would be a worldwide release, which for a number, a couple of these games was like a theme, which is interesting. It's a, a new tact, I would say as they try yeah. to uh, as they continue to like try to make inroads um outside of Japan for Dragon Quest. Uh Yuji Horii did suggest they were looking to adapt the Dragon Quest and that to the first Dragon Quest and Dragon Quest 2 to the style as well. So 
maybe that's something that we can anticipate in the future if uh, Dragon Quest Three HD Two D is a is a um a success. It was a cool moment, Mark. I don't know how much of the like actual presentation you watched, um, but you know it's uh, Yuji Horii with um, it's somewhat like a host um, who is maybe like a comedian or something, um, and they're like on a set on a stage, um, and uh, you know they're sort of like queuing up the video packages and stuff like that. But otherwise, they were just like having a conversation um, about these games. Uh, and there was uh, it was either like a bell or an air horn. I forget exactly what it was. That was sort of Yuji Horii's signal to stop talking, right? <laughs> of like, don't, don't. You're gonna give away something that you're not supposed to give away. Um, and when he started talking about uh, the original Dragon Quest or Dragon Quest Two coming out in the same style, that's when that alarm started going off, um, being like, no, don't say that yet. We are not committed to that. Um, which I, I think is awesome. I think all I, I want all my video game announcements live streamed with uh, the creator and a comedian and a horn that just tells them when to shut up. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, the other thing that I thought was cool about the Dragon Quest Three HD Two D trailer was we saw like a first person perspective, which we have never really like seen in these Octopath Traveler style games before. Because of course, uh, Dragon Quest Combat happens in kind of like a first person perspective where you're looking directly at the um uh enemies and so that was that was kind of neat well, to see it used in that way yeah well what was it strictly first person or was it doing the sort of like it looked to me like it was the um like golden sun perspective where like you're you're sort of at like a, a two-thirds angle or like a three-quarters angle behind your party members so i now now i have to go back and watch it i thought that there was a moment where it was just like straight up like uh like earthboundy like first person yeah yeah perspective but i could be wrong i could be misremembering um also you you already mentioned them uh, i don't want to blow blow past them entirely um that dragon Qu dragon quest treasures uh looks like it is a spin-off of dragon quest 11 because it features uh eric who is one of the uh, main characters and his sister mia who you don't meet till like 60 hours into that game. Um, but it's just like their life as kids uh, stealing stuff and like going on uh, treasure hunts. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm obviously a big sucker for Dragon Quest XI. That's because of an elusive edition for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and uh, I would be interested in checking this game out, but I don't think we got any info about this coming stateside. It looked like it was a, a Japanese exclusive, um, at least to, to this point. Ooh, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Um, and I, of course, promise, I vow even to one day play Dragon Quest XI-S Echoes of no, Elusive Age no, Definitive never, Edition never for the Nintendo happen. Switch. Not. Um, I recently re-downloaded it on my Switch um, in preparation of playing it sometime. Uh, Very good. <laughs> maybe once I finish these Famicom uh, Detective Club games. Um, the other big reveal from this live stream was they did announce Dragon Quest twelve in development just kind of the teaser trailer was just kind of a logo i hate to say it i genuinely hate to say this but it gave me dark souls vibes with like the cinders coming off yeah. of like a bonfire type thing um it was just a logo it's like uh like it says like dq x1 and then like boom like another like uh i is sliced through it um to to make it like dq x 12 or 12 you get it you understand yeah. we all understand roman numerals we understand what i'm trying struggling to say um no other information no platforms announced but uh there was a question about 
when the question was asked by the comedian about what platforms it would be on, uh, the air horn got another got another uh, appearance, cutting off Yuji Hori before he could answer. So, Mark, what do you think that means? Do you think Nintendo is uh, bringing it to just strictly the new Nintendo Switch Pro? I so uh, I think it's going to be multi-platform, and I think yeah, it is going to be kind of based on um, whatever version of the Dragon because what Dragon Quest Eleven I think was created on Unreal Engine Four, and so and then it had to be like rebuilt for uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S. So that way it could run on Switch. And I think, I am of the belief that it is going to be built on that engine. So it is capable of being on Switch and whatever the Switch revision is, in addition to other platforms, at least PlayStation and PC, um, maybe PC coming later. I will be shocked if it is not on PlayStation, but I will be similarly shocked if it's not on Switch. And so I think it's going to be both. At this point, I would be shocked if it doesn't come to Xbox as well, because the uh, 11 either is currently or will be uh, at some point this summer um, free as part of Xbox Game Pass. Um, So, like, they're obviously uh, throwing money in in that direction. It seems like everyone has their um, sort of special relationships with Dragon Quest. um, And whether, you know, whether or not that's really paying off stateside or not uh, is sort of an open question. Um, but I think, I don't know, for, for me, uh, Dragon Quest Eleven was sort of like the, the one that crossed over, right? Like, obviously, it was the one that I played, but I feel like it was the one that I was seeing, like, buzz about. Um, so that, like, by the next one, people will already, like, the profile of Dragon Quest in the West will already have been raised to the point where uh, people will be ready to play it. Especially if the 3 uh, HD 2D remake um hits well and like performs well and people enjoy that um so i i think i think there's totally a space for it maybe on all platforms i like that idea um and maybe that's why he was cagey about it is because they're like we're gonna bring it to everything yeah i because i i just feel like um in japan like like nintendo is dominating to a degree that like yeah playstation has almost in a lot of ways like become irrelevant in japan and so you know with dragon quest being of still a very like japan focused franchise i would be shocked if it's like a playstation exclusive um but by the same token internationally like worldwide playstation and xbox to a lesser degree are enormous brands and it seems to me like they are priming dragon quest to be treated more like final fantasy where it's like everybody's getting it and it's uh although i guess Final Fantasy 16 is a PlayStation exclusive, at least initially. Right. So what do I know? As, as was Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's, yeah. So it's, it's very funny because like Square Enix is one company, but like they don't seem like it, right? Like I think you can still, you can say like whatever, Yuji Hori and the Dragon Quest games, like that's still Enix, right? Like that's still a very like Japanese company and uh, less a like worldwide sort of entity like Square Enix and Final Fantasy is. Yeah, and I, I think for sure, like, Dragon Quest seems to very much still be a Yuji Hori joint, right? Yeah. It is like, uh, it seems very much like his baby, and that he is potentially has, like, a lot of say in, like, even the platforms that the games show up on. The other reason why I think it might show up on all platforms is because they specifically call this game, and you can tell from the teaser, that it is like a departure. 
Um, yeah. Dragon Quest has a very is very like cute and kid friendly. Like it's very family oriented. Um, in a way that Final Fantasy has like not been for of uh, like quite a few games at this point. And this to me feels like an attempt to broaden the audience of Dragon Quest by making it maybe more like Final Fantasy. Um, and what that means and what it ends up looking like, I'm super, super curious to, because the art style, like that Toriyama art style is so ingrained with what like uh, Dragon Quest is. So I, I just, I, I don't know what to expect from this game, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, I uh, t- totally agree. I'm also very excited. It's a fun, weird presentation. Um, if uh, it sometimes hard to sit through. Uh, all of the conversation between uh Yuji Hori and the comedian, uh, it translated by one woman doing the best she can <laughs> to keep up with them. Uh, it's it's all just very like specific and very weird and great. Um, and makes me just excited for Dragon Quest in general. Um, so yeah, let's bring it to all platforms. Uh, let's try to make it more grown up. I don't know, whatever. There'll be another one after that. <laughs> I think it's. I do think it's so funny that they're like, and now we're revealing the new Dragon Quest game. Uh, after Dragon Quest Eleven, it is, drum roll please, <laughs> Dragon Quest Twelve. I know we're like, uh, video game fans are so funny because it's like, of course Dragon Quest Twelve was in development, right? But we just want them to say it. We're just dying for them yes. to say the words Dragon Quest Twelve. That's all we care about. Even though we all knew it was happening, we just wanted to see those. We just wanted to see that word. Um, it has a subtitle too, right? The Flames of Fate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, last week, the Pokemon Company revealed release dates and box art for both Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which will be released on November 19th, and Pokemon Legends Arceus, which comes out January 28th, 2022, which is definitely earlier than I was anticipating it would come out. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, d- definitely earlier. Um, the uh, November makes a lot of sense for um, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. That's like sort of the Pokemon sweet spot of, you know, out before Black Friday. Um, but yeah, the January 28th is so early and like so fast on top of that, um, that uh, I don't know, it, it feels a little bit like a marketing nightmare, but also like, you know, who cares? The Pokemon games sell themselves. <laughs> I also think it's just kind of like, uh, to me, I, I was these announcements felt like they came out of nowhere like it wasn't tied to yeah. any other new information it was just like hey like a couple of months ago we released these games and now here's the box art and the release dates it felt a little like inglorious but uh i mean not that like there has to be a lot of hype around a release date well i mean we we are in the period now where look e3 is a week and a half away um but it is also kind of started already right like we're, we're we'll be talking we already talked about the dragon quest thing We've got some Sonic the Hedgehog news coming up. Like there are live streams already. Ha- we're in it, Mark. We're in it. We're in the extended E3 window. <laughs> well, speaking of the Sonic news, there was a central, a Sonic Central live stream last week that revealed a remake of Sonic Colors, the 2010 Wii game. I guess maybe it's a remaster, not a remake. Um, it's called Sonic Colors Ultimate, and it's coming to the PlayStation 4. Xbox One, and Switch on September 7th. Uh, There's also a two-part animated tie-in called Rise of the Wisps, featuring the voice talent from the game, including Roger Craig Smith as the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog, who I thought just a few months ago I saw that he had, like, tweeted or posted somewhere that, like, hey, I'm not 
doing the voice anymore, but um, uh, he is but the voice back. in this game. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it was weird because like his uh his personal announcement about it was like he was sad, like he right. was let go. Um, and even tweeted like an image of like a broken blue heart. Um, and in uh in him announcing that he was coming back, he like retweeted that same image, but with like the heart stitched back together. Um. So I don't, you know, who knows? Who knows what's going on over at uh, the at Sonic Team? Well, especially because it's like I'm assuming that if this game is coming out on September seventh, like any voice, new voice we had to do or whatever was like has already been recorded. So he knew this was coming out, presumably. Yeah. So yeah, great point. Yeah. Um, I I've never played Sonic Colors before. I feel like it has a fairly good reputation um but yeah i've never played this one before yeah same uh additionally sega confirmed that the next sonic game is in development for switch and other platforms for a release in 2022 and uh a press release suggests that the name might be sonic rangers uh eurogamer reports that this version of the press release that included the name was not meant to be shared but uh what are you gonna do yeah what are you gonna do (laughs) Eurogamer uh, probably shouldn't have reported on something that wasn't meant to be shared, I guess. Or uh, who cares? And now we know that the name of the game might be Sonic Rangers. Well, take this for what it's worth. But earlier this year on Reddit, there were some users who discussed playtesting a new Sonic game. And what they described is that it's open world with like occasional classic like Sonic levels. Um, the build that they played sounds like a mix of Sonic, Breath of the Wild, and Ubisoft open world games. Okay. <laughs> um, presumably, Sonic has a new move where he runs. When when he runs, like there a trail appears behind him, and then the player like closes the loop. And if you close the loop, uh, Sonic performs like a strong attack. And you can see something like resembling that in the teaser trailer. So I don't know, like. Um, who knows what to expect? Who kn- who knows? By 2022, um, maybe we'll be ready for the Sonic Rangers borrowing program. I think for me, that's the most exciting oh. part about a new oh, Sonic boy. game is figuring out what, what we're going to do, how how it interacts with the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Because uh, we haven't right. faced this problem yet. It'll be five years since the release of uh, Sonic Forces that we have to grapple with this with Sonic Rangers. Uh, and you think that uh, the Sonic Colors Ultimate that that release does will not affect the borrowing program? No, I don't think it counts. Um, I, okay, um, all right. Yeah. No remakes, no remasters. That's kind of how I'm feeling. That's kind of how I'm feeling, yeah. yeah. Uh, Strong position, because, I like it. Well, I mean, because we'd put ourselves in a position with this next game as well, because Sega also revealed that they are developing a compilation of classic Sonic games they are calling Sonic Origins, the collection is set for release also in 2022 on the latest platforms, whatever that means, um, and includes Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic and Knuckles, and Sonic CD. This seems like a weird package to me um, because I had a collection like this on GameCube that was called the Sonic Mega Collection that had all of these games on it, plus a couple others like uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. I believe Sonic Spinball was on here. Um, it's uh, it's weird, and you know maybe those games will also be included on this uh, Origins collection, um, and maybe the Origins collection will be like a a, a discount, um, you know, product. Maybe it won't be a full sixty dollars game or whatever. Um, 
But like the notable thing here is that Sonic 3 has been sort of missing from um, Sonic collections of late or even Sonic re-releases that they just don't release 3 a lot. Uh, and I believe a lot of that has to do with the licensing where the music is concerned. Um, but there's, all, there's, there's some other component too that like diehard Sonic fans understand that I do not um, about why that game is so frequently shelved. Um, but I mean, it's a cool collection of games that I sort of like. Um, so I'm, I'm all about this thing coming out. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I think it's great. Uh, I love Sonic Mania. And so I wondered like, yeah, should I check out some of these older games? I was kind of puzzled by this one too, because I don't think of Sonic games as being like difficult to acquire. Um, and so to like repackage them, I feel like there must be something more. And maybe it's yeah, like, I mean, you know, like some like yeah. collector edition stuff. Like, uh, um, maybe we'll see some behind the scenes there's or something, something like that. There's something with so the music in Sonic 3, part of it being uh, written by Michael Jackson, right? That uh, then, I don't know if like the music rights for the game then get tied up with the estate of Michael Jackson or what, but that it has been difficult for them to re-release um, any of those games since since the gamecube era at least but so maybe maybe it was an issue of like it's something that he allowed when he was alive but now his estate like isn't I, I don't know i don't know uh yeah i don't know either if any if anybody out there knows um what yeah. the deal is with uh sonic the hedgehog 3 definitely drop us a line yeah uh nintendo has partnered with scholastic esports organizer play versus to make super smash brothers ultimate splatoon 2 and mario kart 8 deluxe officially recognized varsity athletics at participating high schools in the u.s um as, wow yeah yeah and you know this to me uh follows along with what we've talked about in the past where nintendo um I, I don't think they have a combative relationship with like the uh, fan competitive gaming scene, but they are very Nintendo just like in everything they do wants to very much be in control. And so, you know, like partnering with play versus makes a lot of sense to me as something that they would do. Um, as part of the partnership, Nintendo will give away hundreds of switches to select qualifying schools and also 3,000 schools will receive either Super Smash Bros. Ultimate or Splatoon 2 and a 12-month Nintendo Switch Online individual membership subscription. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, uh, not getting uh, much love here. I guess it's not team-oriented is probably why. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, like, it, it, it's nice that they are having it officially recognized, but it doesn't feel competitive to me in the same way that uh, Smash Ultimate um, and Mario and uh, Splatoon 2 are. Um, I have a, uh, a buddy who uh, is a teacher and also an esports uh, coach uh, for high school kids in Chicago. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, like the, the stories he tells about like uh, co coaching the kids and, you know, playing like League of Legends or whatever they're, they're actually getting up to um, always sounds like he's speaking a different language. And if this means that he's going to be able to talk to me about games that I know, uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> I sincerely cannot wait until we start getting our first wave of like uh, movies following the sports movie formula, but it's with esports yes. e instead of like boxing or cross country running or something like that. Yeah, no, it'll be super fun. Um, I wonder how the because like the Smash Ultimate like works online, but like not at a competitive level, right? 
I don't know, but like also maybe you maybe for the tournaments and stuff it'll be it's all more simple, in person yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really I I'm I'm not sure exactly how that works. I, okay. Sorry if I I I'm just caught up in like a dream, dreams of a Chariots of Fire film but for yeah. you know, uh StarCraft 2 or something like that. So, yeah. It'd be good. We'll see it. <laughs> and finally, in addition to the four new SNES and one NES games, that were added to Nintendo Switch Online last week. We also got an SP edition of Super Mario Kart for SNES Switch Online. It immediately unlocks 150cc and all of the tracks, but probably most notably, this is the first and only SP version of a Super Nintendo game that we've gotten so far. Which is super cool. Like, it's something that, um, and also, like, makes a ton of sense uh, that, like, there are game modes basically locked behind you uh, spending a ton of time in Super Mario Kart. And like, really, you don't, all you really want to do Super Mario Kart is like dip in and play a few tracks. Um, but you forget that when you first turn it on, you have very few tracks to choose from, very few circuits to choose from. Um, so this uh, SP edition, you know, un- unlocks that uh, in a way that feels totally different from like, you know, the SP version of, uh, Metroid that just like puts you at the end of the game with like all the missiles and whatever or like the Kid Icarus one which are all, all you know those are all cool experiences um, but not really like a revelation or just like a it, it, it's, it's, it's totally different for them to have this game where it's like here's all the content just like uh, up and ready for you to enjoy yeah yeah I totally forgot about like the SP versions of stuff and I had never thought about the fact that we didn't get a Super Nintendo uh, SP game as part of the SNES Switch Online releases. So th- that that's really fun as well, just to um, have that be like yeah. a thing to potentially look forward to each time these are released. Gotta say, I still hate the way these are organized and the way you access them as separate games is outrageous. Um, when you start up the game, it should just be like, do you want to do this SP version? Uh, or do you want to just play the game regular? Like, it's, it's just, it, it's crazy that like you would have to have uh, you know, I've got my SP versions all like in their own row at the bottom of the uh, NES Switch Online catalog. Because like normally, if I'm accessing games, I don't want to play the version of it that's like different. I yeah. want to just play the game. Um, but yeah, it's it. I, I've got my gripes with the way those things are organized as is. I want some folders. I want more options in organizing these things. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. <laughs> That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, Hopefully we're not totally irrelevant and uh, there will be a couple hours here before the uh, new Nintendo Switch is announced. Um, But uh, if if it has not yet, uh, you can relish in the fact that we are very relevant and you can rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff that helps us out tremendously. On Twitter, you can follow us. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.
it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.